Here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. Just after 8 o'clock, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live, same time every Sunday morning on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are coming to you from Spencer Studio, also known as The Wisden, because for going on two years now, the pandemic has forced us out of the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp Studio, and that is for the foreseen future, or I should say the unforeseen future. I don't know how long that's going to be. But joining me on the show is social media director, Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats The Wiz. Nobody beats The Wiz. Um, yeah, that's right. Not only does The Wiz has his, his his own studio that we're doing our show from, but he has his own theme music as well. And, hey, I'm laughing, but it's well-earned. It is. Nobody beats The Wiz. Also, social distancing back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio is producer Chris Magnum, who, aside from producing a number of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, is the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Um, follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bay Corp studio line is 702 876 1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. On Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you currently own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. Now offering $2,500 free to everyone and anyone who qualifies for a home purchase loan in the state of Nevada. The $2,500 can be used for your closing costs or to buy down your interest rate. Call 702-964-5720 on tap. Golden Knights win a thriller last night in Tampa Bay, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay. Uh, Golden Knights go out 2 to nothing. end up losing that lead, but winning in the shootout. We'll talk about that in a minute on Nightcap. Um, also, we're going to talk about one of the all-time greats winning more major championships than anyone in history. Who am I talking about and what sports stick around? We'll talk about that in a minute. Also, um, the UNLV running Rebels, man, Friday night, beat a team that had only lost one game all season. We're a nationally ranked team in the country. Yeah, they're in the Mountain West Conference, but um, they still won the game. Two out of their last three, and uh, one of their players is absolutely on fire, and I think he's a future NBA player. We all know who that is, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes either. And um, also, uh, we are going to be joined in a little while by Good friend of mine, friend of the show, friend of a lot of us in the media here in Las Vegas, Brian Selman, the Channel 3 sports anchor there, does a great job, does the wrap-up show on Sunday night, covers the Raiders, the Golden Knights, UNLV. Brian's just about at every event, and he'll, he'll be dropping by to talk some, uh, maybe a little bit of UNLV basketball with us, definitely about the Las Vegas Raiders who are still looking for their GM and head coach, although I think we got a pretty good beat on who that's going to be. And um, yes, the GOAT retires. I don't think I need to say any more. We'll talk about that as well and of course it is a conference championship sunday in the national football league one of my favorite days of the entire year and if the matchups are anything like they were last year if the games are anything like they were last week i should say 
man, we are in for one hell of a day of football today. And I'm telling you what, I'm on lockdown. Got some decent sleep last night simply because I, Spencer, I'm letting you know right now, unavailable this afternoon, man. I am simply turning off the telephone, turning off everything. I am watching two incredible conference championship games, and I'm going to play in a big online poker tournament as well. But anyways, listen, that's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. And once again, Residential Bank Corp offering Nevada home buyers $2,500 towards closing costs or to buy down their interest rate. And that is for anyone and everyone who qualifies for any home financing purchase program in the state of Nevada, call 702-964-5720 for details. And hey, guys, before I go into this, really start getting into things um, this morning, you know, I get up pretty early to prepare for the show and I turn on ESPN. And of course, I end up watching about two and a half hours of um, a great tennis match. Daniil Medic. Medvedev. Let me let me get that that straight. Say his name properly. It's Medvedev. But he was the number two ranked uh, player to go into the uh, Australian Open. And of course, Rafael Nadal number came in as the number six seed. He was in a tie with Roger Federer um, and uh, and joke the Joker uh, to get uh, for with twenty um, I should say twenty major titles. And if you watched it today, incredible match. He went down two sets to nothing or to love, I should say, came back and won the next three sets, won the Australian Open. Second time he's won it, the first time in 2009. But Rafael Nadal now more major championships than anyone in tennis history. And Frank Harnish, I know you're smiling up there. You had to watch that match today. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Rafael Nadal, 21 majors, the most in history. Is he the greatest ever? People would argue about the Joker. Uh, there's a lot of tennis players in history you can argue about, but the bottom line is one player has 21 majors, and that is Rafael Nadal. So hats off to him, man. Incredible run, and his second US, uh, Australian Open came just a couple of hours ago. Spence, let's get right into this thing, man, and let's hit nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Here comes Stone in on Vasilevsky. Stone in, scores. And Vegas wins it. In the shootout, 3-2, final. Last night closed out their four-game road trip trip against three top teams in the Eastern Conference with a shootout win, as you just heard. Mark Stone put the puck in the net in the shootout. Really, really a good game. You thought, oh, no, here they go again as as Tampa really – picked it up in the third period but the Vegas Golden Knights held on they win it in a shootout they're 26 16 and 2 55 points now they still have the best record in the Western Conference's Pacific Division which is the worst division hockey Anaheim Anaheim by the way only one game back Um, again I kind of brought this up last week but if they were in the Eastern Conference they would be the eighth seed in the playoffs right now Uh, Magnum last week you said you know you can't blame them for what conference they're in but you can't blame them for the record which isn't bad at all. But again, when you look at the Eastern Conference, um, 
most of those teams are way ahead of them. As, as I said, they would be the eighth seed right now. But going two and two on this road trip, Leonard went two and one. Um, I liked what I saw. I really did. And especially last night against the Tampa Bay, um, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I thought they played really well. They came out, they hustled. You know, you get goals, uh, you, you get some really, really good goals from the Vegas Golden Knights, needed goals. But again, they nearly blew this one and had to hold on to win. And the bottom line is no fault of Leonard whatsoever. I thought he played really well. Yeah, and, and you know, I again, I'm not going to look at what their record or where they would be in the Eastern Conference. I don't care where they would be in the Eastern Conference. All that really matters is where they are in the Western Conference and more specifically where they are in the Pacific Conference or division. Leonard played really well on this road trip, and uh, you, you mentioned that they, they, they had the two losses, one of them, of course, an overtime loss, so they get, they get a point in that one. Uh, and, and the funny thing is I, I think of all the games on the road trip, that was probably the game where they probably didn't play their best. Uh, the Carolina game, Carolina, really, really good team. They, they, they might be raising the Stanley cup come, uh, June because I think Carolina is that good questions, of course, about Freddie Anderson. Can he get it done in the postseason? But last night, look, they were up to nothing in that third period. And there's a lot to not like about the third period. They got outplayed by the Tampa Bay Lightning in that third period. They almost lost the game um, in in that period. But the thing is, they were they, they only had one shot in the entire period. They gave up, I believe, 16 or 17. Even those two goals, it's hard to look at Robin Leonard and say, oh, well, you know, Robin Leonard didn't play well. He gave up those two goals in the third period. That's just ridiculous for people to even begin to think that. He gave up three or four goals in the entire road trip against Washington, Florida, and Tampa. Three teams that all will be playing deep into the postseason. One of them has maybe the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game in Alexander Ovechkin, and they shut that team out in D.C. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm tired of the narrative about Robin Leonard not being good enough. I'm tired of the narrative about Robin Leonard being the reason why this team doesn't have more points. Like I said last week, the reality is there was a period of time, you go back to October, November, where this team was decimated. And Robin Leonard put this team on his back, and he carried them. You look at what he did in the postseason last year, the season before that in the postseason. The reality is Robin Leonard is just fine. He's good enough for this team to win the Stanley Cup. The team in front of them has to be better. That's the reality of it. The, the, six, the six guys who are out there on the blue line every single night, there's going to be nights where they need to be better. You're going to need to get, because on this the, the one knock on this road trip, and I get you're, getting in, you're integrating guys back into the lineup, Max Pacioretty return, Riley Smith, Mark Stone all had COVID back, Max Pacioretty, of course, returning from injury. They need to find ways to get goals from their top six. And... The misfit line, at least on the score sheet, they were invisible on this road trip. And somehow the Golden Knights still managed to come home with five out of eight possible points. That's not going to get it done in the postseason. You're going to need to get more from your top six. It's great that the bottom six stepped up. Will Carrier, Nolan Patrick had really good road trips. I mean, Nick Waugh, there's, there's just nothing I could say bad about his game. He's always seems to be... If he's not scoring goals, he's doing something 
with his stick in the defensive end. Nick Waugh, just a really, really underrated and, and really integral part of this team. But the one knock on the road trip is you need to get more out of your top six. And like I said, I, I get that you're you're integrating guys back in the lineup. But last night, the shoot was great. You got goals from William Carlson and Mark Stone. Those guys need to produce on the ice in the 60 minutes because there's no shootout in the playoffs. No, no, no doubt, Chris. There's not a shootout in the playoffs. And and Carlson right now at this point in the season to have 13 points. I know he missed some time, but still six goals to this point in the season is awfully tough. And Marcheseau and Smith, I mean, you know, Jonathan Marcheseau leads the team with 19 goals, but he's has not really had a lot of points in like the last seven games. I don't think a goal, a goal, maybe one goal in his last seven games. And Riley Smith, as you said, I mean, he really started this season on fire and has quieted down a lot. He's got 11 goals now and 18 assists, but they definitely need more production from him in order to make this thing happen and and, and to make a run at the Stanley Cup, Chris. Uh, it's going to be awfully tough. And um, as you mentioned, the Eastern Conference is loaded. Tampa Bay, Carolina, as good as any team in the NHL and again right now they have to be the odds on favor to win the cup they've got the best record the hottest team in the National Hockey League if you haven't been paying attention out there is the Colorado Avalanche they've won nine straight games they're I know and one in the last game and they have scooted up to the second best record in the NHL behind Carolina they've got the best record in the Western Conference right now they also are starting to again look like a force to be reckoned with as we move on in the season if that continues and you know real quickly going back to Robin Leonard Chris as you mentioned I mean in this four game road trip he faced 59 shots and saved 55 of them people look at that Carolina game there were two empty net goals so it wasn't on Robin Leonard he gave up two goals in that game against the best team in hockey last week though we did get a lot of flack our listeners we got some flack on Facebook live about people that say Robin Leonard can Robin Leonard cannot get the job done they don't believe Laurent Bourgeois is a is a good enough backup um and there is concern. I'm with you, Chris. I don't believe there is concern. Robin Leonard has played in enough big games. He practically bailed the Golden Knights out last year when Marc-Andre Fleury had his flub. The next game, Leonard comes back and gets a big win for this team. Um, he played well, and I think he will continue to play well. He is a big, imposing netminder, one of the bigger guys in the nets in the National Hockey League, a lot different than Marc-Andre Fleury, who's more like, like a cat. Robin Leonard just gets in front of the puck and gets it done. And both goals last night, I don't think he can blame either one of the ones he gave up on him. And again, he made the saves he had to in the shootout and in the in the in overtime and played good enough for them to win i like it next up for this team is uh, you know, they played to, uh, Tuesday night against the Sabres. Alex Tuck returns home. I'm sure a lot of people like to see him back, one of the original misfits in Golden Knights. Um, but then they get a week off for the All-Star break, which, of course, is going to be at T-Mobile Arena next Saturday night. Chris, how big is this game against Buffalo going into a week off? And it's at home. They come back. They're on the road for a couple games after the week off. But to me, I look at this game as if you lose this game, you could potentially go into the All-Star break. Um behind or tied with the Anaheim Ducks, and I don't think they want that to happen. Well, it's a big game for, for a variety of reasons, and, and uh, I'll, I'll point to maybe the, the, the most obvious is that you didn't play very well on your last homestand. 
eight games, you, you finished 500 on that homestand in, in terms of points. That's not good enough, and these guys know it. You're playing a team that that has a lot of young players, but they, they seem to really starting to be finding, and I know it's tough for Buffalo, right? Like they're still in sixth place in their, in their, in their division, but they're starting to, to at least show some signs of life. Um, I like a lot of their young talent. Tage Thompson is, is he looks like he's going to be really, really good. Rasmus Dahlin, he was a, a really high draft pick just a couple of years ago. He's starting to play really well for the Sabres. This is a team that doesn't have goaltending, though. I know Craig Anderson's coming back, but they were on their sixth option the other night at goaltender between injuries and COVID. Uh, look, this this is a team that, even though they're they're playing better than they have in years past, this is a team that Golden Knights should should absolutely mop the floor with. I don't want to hear any more excuses about it was an emotional night because Alex Tuck returned and you know a couple of other guys, former Golden Knights on that team. Peyton Krebs, of course, only played a couple games, but Cody Eakin is a member of the Buffalo Sabres. Malcolm Subban, who's injured, who will probably not be in attendance at that game. And Colin Miller, who who was an integral part of their Stanley Cup run or when they went to the final in, in year one. Colin Miller was the leading points uh, scorer for defensemen on this team. I think he had 41 points that, that first year. So uh, a, a couple of guys who, who were major parts of this franchise Returning to T-Mobile for the first time as, I don't think it's the first time for Miller, but it is the first time for Eakin and and Tuck. So two guys who, who are coming back who were integral parts of this franchise for the first couple of years they were in existence. But uh, I, I will say the Golden Knights should smoke the Buffalo Sabres. I haven't seen enough to believe that they will at home recently, but it's a big game because you're going to head into that break and you thought you were going to have three weeks off. Now you're only going to have a little bit of time because you, you, you have to make up games, and one of those games you have to make up is against Colorado Avalanche. And then you also have have three divisional games with the Kings, the Edmonton Oilers, and the Calgary Flames. So uh, this is a big homestand because you want to go into that all-star break on a high note because you're going to have some some really tough games coming out of that, that all-star break. No question about it. The All-Star break again comes up for the Knights after Tuesday night's game against the Buffalo Sabres. And then again, the All-Star, all kinds of festivities starting in the Vegas area on Wednesday. Pretty cool. They've got some mascot skills uh, competition that Chance is going to play in and most of the other uh, mascots in the National Hockey League. And of course, uh, Saturday, it all culminates Saturday night with uh, the NHL All-Star game, which is going to be pretty darn cool. And right here locally at T-Mobile, we're looking forward that um moving on to unlv you know sticking local here for a second um i gotta tell you man i'm kind of blown away about friday night's game and you know i don't want to say i'm blown away by what bryce harper's done especially the last few games because we've always known he's had this kind of talent and my biggest knock ever against bryce hamilton is playing a full you know a full game and and that's been probably the biggest thing i haven't seen from him is playing a full 40 minutes um boy is he doing that now without donovan williams they without donovan williams they go in uh, they go to colorado state and beat a team that had one loss the entire season it was a bad loss to san diego state back on january 8th but colorado state was a ranked team they've they've beaten some pretty decent teams along the way and now thanks to uh the run in 
and Rebels. They're 16 and two uh, with the with the loss and a double digit loss, 88-74. I don't think anyone saw that coming, especially without arguably their second best player, Donovan Williams, not in the game. And Bryce Hamilton goes off for 45 points. I mean, he was throwing it was like throwing beach balls up in the Pacific Ocean. The guy was just hitting everything. Spencer, what did you think of that game? Pretty pretty damn exciting. Yeah, and uh, I, it's, I'm actually happy for him to have come back because he probably could have gone into the draft next, you know, last year, wouldn't have been drafted, but gone on somewhere to go into a G League team. And with all the COVID situations, there's no doubt in my mind that he would be somewhere on a court playing some sort of minutes. Uh, I saw the uh, I texted you the other week about the kid, the center from uh, Utah State. He got his first minutes for the Kings the other week, so I could see I could have seen him in that kind of same role. But you know, we know that he's going to maybe go in the second round this year. If he, a guy scores 45 points in a game. I mean, it, it's going to get the attention of any GM. And once you get later into the draft, you know, in the NBA draft, like that's you're going to start taking flyers on guys like that. So I think, you know, his draft stock is obviously going way, way up and I'm proud of him. And I think that, you know, if he can continue to do this for the rest of the year and maybe, you know, make some sort of run. I don't know what that means, at, at least in the Western Conference, you know, um, tournament, because they haven't done anything in the past forever. Like, I don't remember the last time they threatened anything in the Mountain West tournament. So if he's playing like that, we can be anyone in the conference not in the country but in the conference you know i think they can almost beat anyone in the conference san diego state is still a matchup problem for them um they've got the best player in the conference on their team and it's still a matchup problem for them but this team um I think is starting to a little bit exceed expectations. Bryce Hamilton, 30 points uh, the other night in the win at San Jose State when they won by eight. Uh, he gets 23 against San Diego State, which is not an easy task because they're always known to be one of the better defensive teams, not just in the conference, but in the country. But to go into Colorado State, a team that people are saying, this is a dangerous basketball team, not a team that's going to compete to win a national title, let's be realistic, but a team that can get to the tournament and depending on a matchup, have a matchup problem and win a game or two in the tournament that's how good they've looked to me this year chris to see them beat colorado state the way that they did and bryce hamilton to play that way it's got to be a little bit encouraging and tuesday night they're playing that team from up north at home in a big game against nevada um, which i think is a huge game for them but chris do you think the the win the you know winning the two out of the last three games granted they didn't look good against san diego state but with what they did to colorado can some people please come down to the thomas and max center and watch this team play basketball we're not saying they're great but you know what with bryce hamilton on the floor chris it's an entertaining basketball team yeah, Bryce Hamilton, he he like Spencer said, it's it's really good that he came back. It's it's actually really good for Kevin Kruger because without him, he probably doesn't have a go-to scorer on the floor, especially with Donovan Williams being being injured or or missing some time. Uh look, I I was surprised when I saw the score on Friday night, especially at the half. I believe they were up like 44-24. They 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 couldn't miss in that first half and then they they put it on cruise control, and they they really were were the better team the entire forty minutes in that game. Yeah, Colorado State made a little bit of a run to kind of get back into it just a little bit, but it was still a, a a pretty dominating performance by the run of Rebels. And you know, Tuesday night it's it's the school that that everybody hates coming in the town, a coach that everybody hates in Steve Alford because he's now the coach up there. Um, not not certainly not going to win any fan favorite awards down here in Las Vegas, but 
Brian, I, I, I hope that maybe this is the win that turns the page a little bit and this team starts to, to be a little more consistent. We all wondered when it was going to come when they were going to win a game against a team that they weren't supposed to beat. I don't know if anybody thought it was going to be on the road at Moby Arena in Fort Collins, who, by the way, I, I love their floor up there with the, the ram horns on, you know, interlocking there on the court. But I don't know if anybody thought that was going to be the game. Maybe they figured it would be Reno. Maybe they thought it would be another matchup against Fresno State. But to go into Moby Arena and blow the doors off Colorado State, a team that, that as you mentioned, should be in the NCAA tournament, that, that's a big win. And it's a big step forward for this team coming off of, I think, maybe one of their worst performances, if not the worst performance of the season in uh, San Diego against the Aztecs. So it was a really good bounce back. They've played well. I still am disappointed they found a way to lose that Air Force game because it would have been nice to have not lost that game. But it's a trade-off. You lose the Air Force game in, in, in Colorado Springs. You go back to Colorado and you win in Fort Collins. Now both those teams come to Vegas. I'm sure Colorado State's gonna gonna remember this one when they come here. But for for UNLV, it, it, it's a big step forward. And and now you have to take the next step, and that is do it again against a team that you're probably gonna be the underdog against. I don't know what the line is. I haven't looked, but it's about consistency. Now you got that signature win. Now you have to build off of it. and Because if you go out and you lose by 15 points to, to Reno, to me, Friday night means nothing. Yeah, you know, I don't think it will mean nothing because it was still, I'm not going to say a breakout performance by Bryce Hamilton, but it was one of his best performances. And, you know, if he can continue to play like that, this should be a good team. But, you know, I mean, if they lose to Reno, you, you'll still always look back on this Colorado State as a season signature win. But I think this Reno game, Chris, is vitally important also. And I think, you know, with them coming into Thomas and Mack, and that's what I said, do you think a win like this over Colorado State, uh, Bryce Hamilton scoring, you know, uh, over 30 points in two of his last three games, 23 in the loss to San Diego State, get people gets people in the Thomas and Mac because that is an intangible that they could that they, that's the intangible that could take them over the top and help them beat Reno because uh you know coming to town they get they get the Thomas and Mac I don't expect the place to be packed but you get the lower level fill you get a bunch of students they're making noise Chris we know how that you know how well that bodes for any team and especially basketball when fans are closer to the floor and the basketball arenas are probably louder than any others i i don't see it happening i don't see all of a sudden magically you're going to have you know 10,000 fans in the Thomas and Mac but it'd be nice to have six right well my, i'm i'm of the belief and i'm i don't think i'm in the minority in this belief but until you get fans back in the Thomas and Mac why the hell are you selling tickets in the upper bowl? Get people down there closer to the action. I don't care if you have to eat the the, the money. This program still has it, it still makes money. It, it's it's ridiculous to go into that building and see it a quarter full, maybe three quarter, maybe maybe, maybe you know thirty percent full, and seeing half of those people in the upper bowl. Get them the hell out of there. Come on, UNLV. Look, I'm an alum. I have the right to to, to go out and, and, and speak on this because I put enough money into that university 
over the four years I was there. Get those fans out of the upper bowl. It's ridiculous. It looks bad. Get them closer to the action. And you know what? Maybe, just maybe, by doing so, you'll get more people interested because, hey, you know what? I don't have to spend whatever they're they're spending to go sit in the upper bowl to watch a, a, a an average basketball team. If I'm if I'm a family of four, I may not I look, the reality is there's a lot of options in this city now. And in terms of cost, I think the Henderson Silver Knights are probably right on par with what it would cost to go to a UNLV game. If you go to a game at the Orleans Arena, you're not sitting in the upper bowl. And I understand there isn't an upper bowl at the Orleans Arena, but you catch my drift. You can spend just as much money to go to a Henderson game as you can to a UNLV game, but you're going to be a hell of a lot closer to the action. So get those people out of the upper bowl until you start selling more tickets, until you get excitement back behind this program. Because I hate to say it, Brian, the last, what, decade of UNLV basketball, the, the, the fans have grown apathetic. People in this city have grown apathetic to, to run a Rebel basketball and run a Rebel football, and I don't blame them because, quite honestly, the product hasn't given fans a lot to be excited about. And we, we know there was excitement with Dave Rice, and that kind of went away because, as we found out, Dave Rice couldn't win when he really needed to. He lost players. I, I don't... I, I'm still never going to blame Marvin Menzies for what happened to him, even though I think at the end of the day, where we ended up is is okay. I'm okay with where we ended up with Kevin Kruger being in charge of this program, but there was a lot that went on in the ter- in, in in terms of hiring coaches that drove fans away. There were a lot of fans that didn't like the way Dave Rice was fired. There were a lot of fans that didn't like the fact that. Mick Cronin played the program. So there's a lot of apathy and a lot of distrust between hardcore longtime running Rebel fans and the school and the program, and it's a shame. But from what I hear from people that I talk to who are lifelong Vegas residents, were here for the Tark years, they just don't care. And that's the worst possible thing you can happen when people just don't care, Brian. No, you know, I, I agree, Chris, and, and that was a, a coaching debacle. You just don't fire a college coach in the middle of the season. It was a terrible move. Uh, you know, Tina Kunzer-Murphy probably over her head with the job and feeling a ton of pressure and did that. And then, of course, they brought in another uh, athletic director that to me was one of the biggest buffoons ever, and I'll continue to say it. I just think that uh, Desiree Reed-Francois was a joke. She never wanted to be here, was looking for an exit the day she got on campus, and I think we all felt that in the media almost immediately but um you know yeah the coaching debacle really hot and, and mick crone is not the only coach that used the unlv for leverage chris beard indirectly kind of did too i didn't i don't know if he knew that his alma mater's job was going to open up shortly after he accepted the unlv job but it sure looks like uh you know he used it as long as he never coached a day of of actual basketball for this team i think again that 
yes, we haven't seen a very good product, but I think the excitement of one great collegiate player is enough to bring people into the stadium, and we have one here now in Bryce Hamilton. Anybody that can score 45 points against a ranked opponent and lead his team to a double-digit victory without the second-best player, and that can't be overstated with Donovan Williams not being in that game, that uh, that Bryce Hamilton literally put this team on his back and carried them against a ranked opponent. If that doesn't excite, you know, excite people, I don't know what will, but I really hope against the, their number one rival Tuesday night, the fans show up at the Thomas and Mack Center and give this team a chance to win another big game. And that could get the ball rolling to help this team finish in the upper part of the Mountain West Conference, would be, which would be a hell of an accomplishment considering where they've been and under first-year coach Kevin Kruger. I really hope that it happens. Real quickly, uh, I, I also want to, he's been sitting there forever, Brian Salman, friend of ours, and I'm really happy I got him out of bed this morning to join the show. He rarely gets to sleep in on a Sunday, and when he does, I bug him and make him come on the show, but Channel 3 Sports Anchor uh, does a great job over there, Brian Salman. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Ah, there you go, man. I, I love listening to Chris, man. So I, I was I was okay with that. I was okay with that. How you doing, B? Uh, you know, doing doing great, Brian. Good morning. I don't know if you uh if you got up like I did. I know you probably didn't. Where I'm up at three o'clock in the morning, and I'm planning on watching a little Sports Center, getting ready for the show. Kind of forgot that the men's championship of the, of the Australian Open was on wow. when I saw it for Frank Harnish. Uh, the memory of Frank and knowing how much he loved it, I sat and watched it, and boy, am I glad I did. Rafael Nadal down two sets, comes back wins three straight and becomes the all-time major championship winner in, in tennis history with his 21st major victory, one more than both Djokovic and Federer. And after, I just wanted to play this real quick because I, we got it, you know, after the match, the guy was just as emotional as can be. I mean, a, a couple months ago, he didn't know if he'd ever play tennis again. Here's, here's what he had to say. After. Well, I even don't know what to say, guys. Uh, for me, it's just... Uh... It's just amazing, no? Being honest, uh, one month and a half ago, I didn't know if I will be able to be back on the tour playing tennis again. And today I am here in front of all of you having this trophy with me. And you really don't know how how much I find it to be here. I can't thank enough all the support that I received since I arrived here. You are just amazing. Thank you so much for the love and for the support. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, you know, really, really cool to see. And I'm really glad I got up extra early. And while I was putting, uh, you know, preparing for I got to watch that uh, because it is the other side of the world and their hours are flipped on us. But it was really, really cool. Hats off to that guy, man. It is incredible. We're going to talk about another incredible superstar in a minute that is retiring. But before we get All into right. that, Brian, I wanted to start off with you because you cover, you know, the Raiders. Uh, you were at the Cincinnati, the final game in Cincinnati. And the big question with everyone, I think we've got that question answered indirectly, is who's going to replace Mike Mayock and who is going to be uh, the actual head coach of this team? It looks like they're 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 trying to grab winners by taking the director of player personnel. I'm pretty sure Dave Ziegler is going to be announced as the gen the GM, and of course, uh, you know, director of player personnel for them. And there's an outside shot I've heard that they're still potentially interested in Colts player personnel at Dobbs, but I think that's kind of going away. And I think they've already decided on their head coach and Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. First of all, do you think those are accurate? Uh, accurate, Brian? And number two is, do you think they're good selections for this team? Well, first of all, man, 
uh, I'm offended that uh, you didn't want my, my take on the doll because uh, I played high school tennis, man. I love tennis. And I, I, I used about to, go, go right ahead and talk about him first, man. Be, be my guest. Uh, I used to, uh, I used to get up and watch the Australian Open back in the day. Um, I didn't this morning, obviously, but uh, and that's great. The fact that he won it. I mean, he's a clay master, and the fact that he can kind of he can win on another surface is a good thing. Um, I love the the rivalry that he has back and forth with Djokovic, and uh, the fact that Djokovic couldn't get in it because of all the passport issues and and whatever down in Australia. That's really cool to see him win that thing. So uh, I, I'm pumped for him. Um, I, I love tennis. Love, love tennis. Unfortunately, I, I wish that uh, we had more rivalries and, and guys that were more name stars that, that I don't know, if casual fans would get into. And I'm a casual fan now because I don't really watch unless I, it's someone that I, I, I care to watch. So uh, kudos to Nadal. But on to the question that you asked me about the Raiders and the fact that uh, they're trying to make it uh, – well, it's, it's looking like it could possibly be uh, New England West. Um, you know, I worked in New England. Josh McDaniels, I, I didn't deal with him a ton. I remember him at the Super Bowl, you know, sitting at his table doing interviews, and he seemed like he was whatever, a nice enough guy or whatever. But uh, And actually dealing with the Patriots on the media side, it, was, uh, it, it wasn't as much fun as dealing with uh, the Raiders in a sense. You know, Will, Will Kiss and, and everyone over there, they're, they get back to you. They, they try to work with you as much as possible. Um, I, I enjoy working with the Raiders. I didn't have any issues working with the the, the Patriots. I would liken it to the Patriots. This is terrible to say, but the, the Patriots, the, the Patriots treat you as good or better than like the, the Golden Knights would in a sense. You know what I mean? Because we know the first couple of years, it was, it was tough dealing with the Golden Knights, especially with the whole COVID and everything else. Um, the way they at least treated television during the COVID situation was terrible, in my opinion. So um, dealing with the, the Raiders uh, or dealing with the, the, the Patriots was great. Um, I, I don't want them to hire Josh McDaniels personally. I mean, that's just a personal opinion. I, I, I don't know. I, I think they can do better than that. There's a ton of guys out there. You can I, I was I got a, a text message from someone who lives in Denver and they're still bitter about the way that he was he treated the players up there he just left a bad taste in their mouths um belichick did terrible in new england his first go around but mcdaniel seemed like he just he was almost josh patricia you know what i mean and to me the way that josh patricia was in 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 detroit he shouldn't really get another chance at coaching he doesn't need to be a head coach unless for a long time or if he gets a an interim title in in new england or something so mcdaniel's Eh, as far as like the player personnel with Ziggler, whatever, I don't know much about him. So, you know, who knows what happens there? Well, you know, Brian, I, I, I echo your sentiments to agree. And very rarely you see I'm wearing a jersey, which we're going to talk about wow. in a minute, because that would never normally happen. I've worn this once before, and that was when I lost a bet. So, Ooh. But obviously there's a reason I'm wearing it today, and it's called respect. And that okay. is the reason we're but, – but I agree with you. Josh McDaniel, the difference is with an offensive coordinator from New England, I have a little bit more faith in that than a defensive coordinator. Years ago, Bill Belichick said when, when – uh, not Bill Belichick, excuse me, Bill Parcells said when Bill Belichick was the defensive coordinator for the Giants that he is the best defensive mind he has ever seen in the history of the game. And that wasn't too far removed from Buddy Ryan's great defense in the Bears, and yet – 
Bill Parcells is saying that about Bill Belichick to know how good he is. I've always said, and when you talk about Matt Patricia in Detroit, I hated the hiring for day one. I said, you Me know too. what it's like? Here's here's a day in the life of a defensive coordinator of the Patriots. You get there at 7 o'clock in the morning. Belichick's already been there for two hours, and he would tell Matt Patricia, hey, run to 7-Eleven, get me a newspaper. Patricia gets there with the newspapers. Hey, go downstairs and get me my slippers. He goes, by the time he gets back up with the slippers, Patricia's or, uh, Bel- Belichick says, here's the defense we're running today. Do not deviate from this at all unless you come to me. And that's pretty much being the defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. Offensively, though, Bill Belichick does give some control to his offensive coordinator. Josh Daniel- uh, McDaniels is second go around with the Patriots. So for Bill Belichick to give you a second chance and bring you back after he kind of failed as a head coach, you got to respect that and say Bill Belichick respects that. So the jury's out a little bit. I didn't like the hire either. I thought there were better hires out there. As much as I don't like the University of Michigan being a Michigan State alumni, I wouldn't have minded Jim Harbaugh coming back into the league, I think. Now you don't like him either. But, 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 you know, the the thing is there's a lot of candidates out there. I think before it all started, I I was loving Eric Bien of the Kansas City Chiefs and thought he would be a great hire Man. for this team. Byron so, I mean, he might be going to Jacksonville, but still, um, you know, some guy, I, I don't want it, in my personal opinion, I don't want another retread. You know what I mean? Give, give somebody a shot, unless, if it's a retread, have it be the, the guy um, Flores. You know what I mean? And the, the reason I'm, <laughs> Flores, I mean, he did well. How, how do you win the most games that the Dolphins have won in, in a two-year span in I don't know how long? And you get fired. You know what I mean. So uh, I. Yeah, There's also I, the thought I, I, process. Yeah. Also, okay. just just real quick, uh, we we got Brian Selman on, sports anchor at, at Channel Three, Las Vegas News Three, Las Vegas. No, Brian, there there was also like you know the same thing. Why not give Rich Basashi a great try? Look at how much this team rallied around this guy. This guy put a personal note in the locker of every player on that team, thanking them for the experience. They love this guy, and hey, nine and seven isn't too bad considering what you know what yeah. he was dealt, and you know ten and seven. And, and, actually and not to mention you know again what he was dealt with you know my god getting you know basically handed the job after a, a dumpster fire with John Gruden and, and the news that was found out about him and then you get Henry Ruggs you know um Arnett you know the same thing and you lose starters on either side of the ball that are significant starters especially Henry Ruggs to take away that dream that deep threat that he was becoming and Versace have found a way to rally this team and get them into the play postseason. I'm not going to say that an inadvertent whistle in Cincinnati changed the outcome of that game. Although I wish Joe Burrow would have admitted he heard it. The guy practically blew it right in his ear. And then to say, I didn't hear the whistle. Come on, man. But, but the point was to to be in that game right into the uh, cold weather outdoor stadium, Cincinnati with that offensive firepower that they had, the Raiders had a hell of a season. And I thought, you know what? I don't know that Passacci was the best man for the job, but does he deserve like a two-year contract? Why not, man? Reward the guy for putting this team in the playoffs, right? Yes, and that's the thing about the Raiders that is known around the league. It's, it's known if you if you deal with them, the the loyalty that they have. Once a Raider, always a Raider, and how they treat you know their alumni. Uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. I think Passacci has earned. He's earned the right at least at least two years. You know what I mean? Like he's earned. Like tell me what has Josh McDaniel done better as a head coach than Rich Versace has done? You, I mean, you can't. There's 
you know what I mean? Now, if you're going to Harbaugh, yes, he went to the Super Bowl. A Super Bowl, I covered that Super Bowl, as a matter of fact, in New Orleans. So, but I, I couldn't agree. And the fact that, I mean, do you want to keep Derek Carr? Because if you want to keep Derek Carr, I mean, he's given Versace the, 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 the highest endorsement. How about give, give the guy a, a stable coach for uh, a little while? You know what I mean? You see how he's performed when he had Gruden for a couple of years, just a little stability because he, he has had none in his football career with the with the Raiders for the most part. You know what I mean? As far as like offensive coordinators and coaches, um, even though mo we most of us think that there, there's a great likelihood that Olsen is going to be going. So, um yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, man. I think Versace deserves a shot. He made the playoffs. He made the playoffs. Yeah. You know what I mean? He had the he has the yeah. same record as the team that is playing in the AFC Championship game today, and he had a big, great chance of beating that team on their field as well. And they're a live, live dog today. At what? I don't know if it's gone to seven and a half, but at seven, you know what I mean. So. I think that Versace and what he dealt with, as you said, I mean, and that cannot be overstated. It cannot be overstated the fact that he righted the ship after what went wrong with John Gruden and then with Henry Ruggs. Goodness gracious. Um, to have to deal with that, Nate Hobbs, Arnett, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and again, the main thing is, They'd been through enough change, and with all the change they had to go through, they make the playoffs, and now you're going to make some more changes. You know, there's an old say, what, what's that old adage, Bry? If it ain't if broke, bro, don't fix it. There you go, I mean, bro. come on, man. <laughs> uh, again, Brian Feldman and Brian Selman, News 3, Las Vegas, a sports, the sports anchor over there. Glad to have him on the show today. And real quickly, we're going to go to something and kind of the reason that I'm wearing the shirt. Back this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Back. Just yesterday, we all learned that after 22 seasons and seven Super Bowl championships, Tom Brady has played his last game in the National Football League. In my opinion, this is the perfect exit at the perfect time. What do you think, Brian? Is this the right way to go out? Uh, you know what? It, it is a Tom Brady type way to go out. And I wasn't going to go back to bed. You know, I wasn't taking my, my ASS back to bed. What I was was grabbing this. This is a pillow that they gave me from uh, when I was in New England wow. working. They, they gave these to the media. Um, and I have it in my little man room. My little man came here. So, uh, yeah, I was grabbing it. You know what, man? Congrats to Tom, man. I, I could not, I can't, I could not stand the Patriots. Could not stand the Patriots as a fan. You know what I mean? But I had to root for Tom in Tampa Bay because you got to go for the old guy. I like the underdog. I don't want to root for the, the overdog, so to speak, when he was in New England. So kudos to him. If if, if he is going out, have they confirmed it yet? Because last I heard, he was saying that he's, there's still a chance. 
typically when Adam Scheffler comes on ESPN and says, you know, he, he's got the story that Tom Brady's going to announce his retirement, I, I've never seen the guy be wrong yet, yet, but, you know, lightning does strike once in a while. I think he is going to call it quits. I really do. The one thing, the one reason I thought he might stay is he's 44 years old. He would start next season at 45. No quarterback in the history of the National Football League has ever started a game at 45 years old. I think 44, he's joined by Steve DeBerg and maybe George Blanda that have started games at 44, but nobody has started the game at 45. Wow. So. That would wow. be one more record for Tom Brady, and I thought, why not? You're right on the doorstep of it. Why wouldn't you do that, number one? Maybe he'll come back for somebody yeah. late next season and play a couple games. You never know. But you look at his playoff stats, Brian. It is nothing short of miraculous, considering the National Football League or the not-for-long league and how brutal that game is. I don't care about the protection there is for quarterbacks. People forget, in his very early 30s, over 10 years ago, Tom had complete reconstructed knee surgery that was the year that matt castle took him to 11 wins and they didn't make the playoffs but tom yeah. brady had to recover recover from that in his 30s he already would have been in the hall of fame and he bowed out then but that was now 11 12 years ago it's amazing what he's done into his 40s after having complete reconstructive knee surgery that is ridiculous and but the guy won 35 playoffs games the next closest to him brian joe montana won 16. 35 down to 16, that's left in half. Brady threw 86 touchdown passes in the postseason. The closest to him, Montana again, and Aaron Rodgers with 45. Okay, 86 wow. down to 45, and then we all know Brady won seven rings. The two behind him have won four are Terry Bradshaw and Joe Montana again. Joe Montana, the GOAT before Tom Brady came along, without question. But Tom Brady, I mean, wow. say, say of him what you will. Look at those numbers. They are eye-popping. They truly are for anyone that follows this game. No. People want I mean, to argue with that. Like, you can't go, argue with that. Brian, you got to call him the GOAT, right? You have to. And it, it pains me because, like I said, I can't stand the New England Patriots. You know what I mean? Even though working there, you know, I, I you, you have to talk glowingly in a sense about the Patriots. You know, you do your job and you stay down the middle. Right? And you you don't um, – you, you do your job as a journalist and you, you always give both sides. But if you, <laughs> if, if you, want, if you want to step, step in the line of fire and, and, and talk bad about the Patriots and live in Boston – you know, that, that's especially it's as a, sour a grapes. Guy. There's nothing other than sour grapes mm. when you do that. Mm. Yeah. I can say that, you know, Tom Brady, the goat, I had an opportunity to cover him, um, you know, basically as a beat reporter on television. And I got a chance to cover him in the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl that they won against the, uh, the Seahawks. You know what I mean? So I, I was standing on the goal line for that game. Still got the video on my phone. Two and a half million views on my YouTube page. The interception at the end of the game that won it. You know what I mean? So, hey, Tom Brady did his thing. If, if he's going to go, um, he's definitely the GOAT. I don't want to hear the arguments about anything else, about Aaron Rodgers throws the ball better or whoever. Just whatever. Seven Super Bowls, really? Really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like go to Tampa, win the first year. First team to ever do it in their home stadium. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear it. And when they came back against the Rams last week, anyone who knows anything about sports, were you surprised? No. You're like, oh, okay, well, I mean, that's what Tom Brady does. Of course he came back. You know what I mean? Like, goodness gracious. It's like this dude, 
he definitely has the Jordan effect as far as uh, you know football is concerned. Not the no LeBron question. Effect. No, no question about it. It's Brian Selman again. Uh, News three, uh, Las Vegas, the sports anchor there, a good friend of ours. And uh, Brian, you know, you 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 said it. There, there, there's just nothing you can take away from this guy. What he did, you know, again to switch teams and turn a team into a Super Bowl team one year. He brings a winning culture. And the one thing about Tom Brady, which also to me puts the exclamation points after you call him the goat, is he did it right. He was never a guy that was in trouble. Twenty two seasons in the National League, all that money, all that fame, all that recognition, and never got in trouble. You say Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan had his little issues, as we know. The guy he I equated to, no, the guy, the guy I equate, well, Deflate Gate, yeah, okay, but but the guy I equate him to is Derek Jeter, very similar type of athlete that played so many years at the spotlight one of the most prestigious positions on the most recognizable logo in the world as far as sports go. And this guy did it right for all those years. Uh, same thing. Unlike Tom Brady, he wasn't married for half of his career and still did it right, which is the really goat. surprising. The goat. the goat. No no, no question about it. Got to take them. Brian, let's switch over. We got a couple minutes left in the show. Got to talk about today's games. Last week, I have said to everyone I've spoken with, even you and I talking about it, the bottom line is the best divisional round of NFL playoffs in history. Every game came down to the last play. The one glaring defect in the NFL to everyone that watched the games was the overtime. Now the overtime rules in that Kansas City-Buffalo game without Buffalo getting getting the opportunity to get the ball. The NFL tried to make it right a few years back when they said, on your first possession, if you kick a field goal, we'll let the other team still get the ball. But if you score a touchdown, game over. And... You know, with all the momentum Kansas City had coming back in 13 seconds and tying the game, which was miraculous as it is, they had so much momentum that the last thing that Buffalo needed was them to win the coin toss, knowing how valuable it is and knowing what an offensive juggernaut Kansas City can be. And that ended up deflating the Buffalo Bills, who had one of the most amazing games ever. What a great game. Uh, you got to feel for Buffalo fans who had to suffer through four Super Bowl losses. And, man, I can still feel their pain right now, Brian. Uh, yeah, man, that, that, those games were ridiculous. I still have to see a game at Arrowhead because I heard that that's probably one of the best stadiums to, to be in. I've been in a you know good number of them, but to be in Arrowhead, I hear it, it's bananas to be in there. Um, and, and you know what? At first I was with the whole overtime. I'm like, listen, man, you you know, stop them if you, if you want to win the game. But in the playoffs – I agree. An easy fix. Just say, hey, both of you get the ball at least one time. If they score a touchdown, you got to score a touchdown. If you don't, then it's over. You know what I mean? Just add it. Everyone gets the ball. If you get an opportunity to score a touchdown, and after that, it's sudden death. If you both have scored two touchdowns, it's sudden death after that. I'm okay with that. I agree. I agree, Brian. You know, I think the biggest mistake to me, it's easy to look hindsight and retrospect, but Buffalo should have squibbed the ball that would have taken four more seconds off the clock and you give them nine seconds instead of 13. But you know what? That's me saying. Yeah, or stop them in 13 seconds. I think that's the whole thing. Real quickly, games today, first game, big game, Kansas City hosting the Bengals. What do you think is going to happen? You got about 30, not even 30 seconds. So Cool. I'll say this. I think that Kansas City is going to win. However, if the Bengals win, I will not be surprised. I will not be surprised if any of the four teams win their game today. 
I'm going to take the Bengals saying that they're not going to win, but they're going to cover the seven-point or seven-and-a-half-point spread. I do believe they will. And lastly, 49ers-Rams. Can the 49ers beat the Rams seven times in a row, three times this year? I want to say no. But if they win, I won't be surprised. But, man, eight, eight times in a row? Goodness gracious. That, that, would be, that would be incredible. Three-and-a-half-point favors. I like the 49ers covering the three-and-a-half. I think the Rams slide by them this time in another defensive battle. Two of the best defensive teams in football and the best defensive players. 